0: Today's episode is about the famous Empress Wu Zetian, the first and only female ruler in more than 3,000 years of Chinese history. From her beginnings as a low-level concubine to sitting on the dragon throne, the accomplishments of Empress Wu are a matter of dispute to this day. Between ruthless tactics and great reforms, her legacy is a complicated one. This is Time Crunch History.
1: Howdy and welcome to Time Crunch History, a quick history podcast.
0: I'm Felicity, and I know a lot about history.
1: And I'm Ben, and I don't. Um, you've spoken a lot about Wu you, Have I now? You've wanted to do this episode for so long. <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm excited to finally be getting into it. But first, ring the bell. We have a listener-submitted quick history fact.
0: Yay! We got
1: an email. This, this history fact comes from Maddie Graham from Canada. Uh, and let me tell y'all... Yeah,
0: I'm excited. Tell me what it is. Let what me tell you it?
1: what a great history fact. So, you know Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein.
0: I can't say that I know much about Liechtenstein. Yeah, uh,
1: probably not because it's a really small country. The it's actually the sixth smallest country in the world. But alas, that is not the history fact. That'd be that'd be kind of a bad <laughs> fun
0: history fact. Liechtenstein, it exists. <laughs> it's a country.
1: So, um, here, here's the history fact.
0: Spill it already.
1: (laughs) So Liechtenstein disbanded its army, its military in 1868. Uh, But before being disbanded, the army's final deployment was in 1866 to the border between Italy and Austria, where Liechtenstein sent 80 men. And what happened doesn't matter.
0: Wait, was that their whole army?
1: No, they left 20 men behind. Oh my god! <laughs> so, of the 100, they, they sent 80% of their army to Broke. the border. It's
0: like their whole population. It's a
1: very small country. And while the 80 men were there, there was apparently, quote, "...really nothing to do but sit in the beautiful mountains, drink wine and beer, smoke a pipe, and take it easy."
0: Sounds like what I want to do yeah. all the time.
1: This <laughs> engagement was so peaceful that they left with 80 men, and they came back with 81. <laughs> Nobody really knows how or why. <laughs> they hung
0: out with someone in the mountains and he's like, they're like, you want to come to Lichtenstein? He's like, hell yeah, you guys are so cool.
1: He's like, come to what? Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so weird. How, how, do they know how they got this guy?
1: Nobody knows. There are theories that it was like some Austrian liaison officer, uh, but there's really nothing to prove or disprove that. So the fact sent in by Maddie Graham from Canada is that Liechtenstein left with 80 men and came back with 81. The world's most. I feel su- like
0: that's the most successful battle, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, war.
1: It's it's so peaceful. We made a person.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, so thanks, Maddie, for that great history fact. Um, we really enjoyed it.
0: Yes, we did.
1: All right. So down to Wu Zetian. Where do we where do we start? Where's this Where's this history coming to play?
0: So Wu Zetian was born in 624 CE. She was born to a Pretty wealthy and like prosperous marginally well-off family mm-hmm. um and her father ended up becoming chancellor during the early days of the tong dynasty
1: what's a chancellor like a bureaucrat
0: it's a bureaucrat yeah <laughs> it's like what a chancellor does here now
1: i don't know what chancellors do here i now. think they
0: like advise the king so at a young age Uh, wu zetian was really well educated she knew music history and politics she could write poetry she could uh, do calligraphy which
1: that sounds like unusual for women at the time from my limited knowledge yes women's rights throughout the ages
0: just think back on some of those uh historical fiction movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh yes the golden compass
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh um. Yeah. Exactly. So it was really unusual for a girl at her t- at at the time. Mm. Uh, most women were not well educated dis- or not as well as she was. So our story really picks up kind of around the age when she's around fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um. At the age of fourteen, she becomes a concubine to Emperor Taizong, which is kind of like winning like a beauty contest. It's essentially like she was really really pretty.
1: Mm. But a-, a concubine is like a, a mistress, right? Yeah yeah okay
0: but like so like i think it should be clear that like while the like primary duty often associated with concubines is like of like a sexual nature there is a lot of other duties that they did sometimes instead Hmm. so like she was like a maid
1: (laughs) we don't really know what she did but we can kind of assume it was a little bit of everything yeah Mm.
0: she was a concubine
1: okay We'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. History is history. She was
0: one of nine concubines, actually. Uh, and she was ranking fifth. So she wasn't, like, even that important, honestly. Because mm-hmm. there's, like, the wife, and then there's, like, all of the concubines, and they're ranked in order of, like, preference and stuff like that. Blah, blah, blah. But we're not getting into that. Okay, so she's concubine
1: number five. Or- yeah. Yeah emperor taizong
0: yeah exactly so like i think at this point you probably might be asking how the heck did she yeah how do you go from, you go from <laughs> fifth favorite concubine <laughs> to
1: empress of the country exactly yeah
0: so even though wu zetian was not the emperor's favorite concubine she was very very beautiful and it was to the point that at one point it there's like a story about how beautiful she was emperor taizong he got mad at her Mm. But he said that he couldn't kill her because she was too beautiful to die.
1: Or maybe you shouldn't be killing people if you get mad at them.
0: Bro, let's not impose (laughs) our (laughs) contemporary opinions on... (laughs)
1: Mm, Yes, us and our (laughs) heightened moral senses.
0: Uh, So Emperor Taizong really did enjoy Wu Zetian's company. Uh, She would regularly go places with him as his servant. And um, she was pretty close to the emperor. For the fifth favorite concubine. Yeah. However, in the summer of 649, Emperor Taizong suddenly became ill because he was taking pills that were prescribed to him from his alchemist. We know from a previous uh, episode, don't take pills from alchemists.
1: Yeah, there, it's probably poison. <laughs> probably
0: going to kill you. I actually,
1: I think there's a really popular song about that summer.
0: The summer of 649. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he dies.
1: Okay, the emperor dies. Great.
0: So you probably might be thinking at this point, this is when she becomes empress, obviously. Yeah, N-
1: number five concubine, the dude dies, it's it, empress time, it's baby. It's empress time. I changed his bed sheets once, it's empress time, You'd baby. You'd be wrong. Oh.
0: So remember how I said she was super beautiful? Yeah. Well, she- like four times. garnered like a lot of attraction from young men at court, and one of these young men was Prince Li Zhi, who was the son of Taizhong, and- he ended up becoming the next emperor, Gaozhong. Oh. oh. So this was a very big faux pas to do at the time, but uh, Wu actually began an affair with Li Zhe, um while she was still the concubine to his dad. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So weird. <laughs> Yikes. I,
1: I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But uh, Li Zhe was really deeply in love with Wu and obviously there was like a lot of rules regarding like having an affair with your father's concubine so he like could not do anything about i feel it. like
1: you only really need one rule just the one rule don't have an affair with your father's concubine yeah you don't need that
0: many he had nine he doesn't need that many
1: no he doesn't need that many rules
0: oh yeah <laughs> So when Saijong died, Wu and all the other concubines had to shave their head and go live in a a temple as a nun for the rest of their life. That was the policies. If you're the concubine of the emperor, when he dies, you got to go live out the rest of your life as a nun.
1: So at the time, was it seen as like a privilege to be the emperor's concubine? Or was it sort of? Oh, yeah. Oh, so it was like you wanted to be one of them.
0: Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like, like, I'm going to say like a concubine and like, a mistress, I think, are different. Like I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like they aren't like irrelevant. Like they had a position. That's a position, being a royal concubine. So
1: it's kind of like being in the top one percent of OnlyFans creators. You're kind of, you're hot. Yes. You're, you're like, you're, you're out.
0: You're so hot to like be able to like live in a fancy place with a fancy guy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The best sugar daddy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, that that changes my perception of things. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like no,
0: they weren't just like they weren't like sex workers. Like they like had like.
1: They're Loki like mini empresses or like
0: lower level emperors. Okay, cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So she was supposed to go live out the rest of her life in a Buddhist temple. Mm. This was the common pra- common practice after the death of an emperor, because the concubine wasn't supposed to be passed on to someone else, or wasn't supposed to be involved in someone else, and they're supposed to maintain their chastity after their uh, emperor dies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, when Li Zhu became the emperor, he took the name Gao Zhong. And one of the the first things that he did was to send for Wu and to have her brought back to court as his first concubine, even though, like, he already had, like, other concubines and a wife. Mm. He just, like, slipped her in that the... She kind of passed the line. She passed the wait list. Yeah. She got ahead of the wait (laughs) list. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: I still... So how do you go from first... Even first concubine to empress is... A logical leap. So how, how did she go from first concubine, even of the emperor, to empress of China?
0: Yeah, because typically the empress would be the wife. Because yeah, there's and a wife a and wife. then there's concubine. Yeah. Yeah. To this day, Wu actually remains infamous for the spectacularly ruthless way in which she disposed of Gaojong's first wife, the Empress Wang, and of his senior and more favorite consort, known as the pure concubine.
1: I'm I'm all ears.
0: Yeah, this is this is the part where it gets juicy. This is the juicy part. Well, it's actually kind of messed up. So, Lady Wong had no children and Lady Xiao had a son and two daughters.
1: Xiao was the first the pure concubine.
0: Yeah. In 652 CE, Wu ended up giving birth to Li Hong, which is a son, and in 653 CE, she had another son, Li Xian. Mm-hmm. Um, however, neither of the boys were really a threat to Lady Wang or Lady Xiao Because the emperor had already chosen his successor His chancellor, uh, Lui Shi, was Lady Wang's uncle And the emperor appointed his son, Li Zhong, as the heir
1: L- Lui Xu's son
0: Yeah So, so his wife's his uncle's wife- <laughs> son Yeah
1: Why not his own son?
0: See, the reason behind that is because of the position it was his wife, not his concubine relative. The st- status of a wife is different from a concubine.
1: Yeah, but why not just have a child with your wife and appoint that?
0: Well, obviously, I guess they couldn't have kids because, I mean, they had none. Oh, huh. I feel like they try a lot at those days. Yeah. It's not like there are many birth control methods, really, <laughs> right? <laughs> um. So, in 654 CE, Wu ended up having a daughter who died really soon after birth. However, the death wasn't, like, a natural cause death. The baby was strangled in her crib, and Wu claimed that Lady Wong was the one who killed her because she was jealous.
1: Wong being the Emperor's wife.
0: Yes. So, you see, the both of the women, the, the consort and the wife, were jealous of Empress Wu, but... It is thought that this was all kind of a conspiracy to get rid of them. So Lady Wang was the last person seen in the room, and she had no alibi. So Wu accused her, as well as her mother, for practicing uh, witchcraft, and she also implicated Lady Xiao. So Lady Wang ended up being found guilty of all charges, and so were the others. So Emperor Gao Zhang divorced his wife, barred her mother from the palace, and exiled Lady Xiao. Uh, Lady Wang's uncle, the chancellor, like mm-hmm.
1: whose son whose son the, was yeah,
0: yeah. was supposed to be the heir, ended up getting cut off, and Wu was now raised to the position of first wife of Gaozong and empress of China, and this also assured that her sons would be the one to rule the country after the death of her husband. The plot is very intense. Oh my goodness! But also super messed up. I feel like right? this, this
1: could be a show. You know,
0: there is a show.
1: Oh, dang it.
0: Like there goes my Hollywood show. money. <laughs> so much for that. Sounds pretty ruthless, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> pretty ruthless, yeah. I pretty ballsy too to accuse the emperor's wife of witchcraft and like implicate his first his like pure concubine, you know?
0: But she was like really favored by the emperor. I guess. Bro, he 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 literally Violated like so many like moral laws by like going to get his father's concubine from a convent,
1: nepotism. Bring, bring him back. Okay.
0: Um. So there's kind of like an issue with this, though. Like I said, I this sounds like a whole conspiracy, right? Like mm-hmm. Empress Wu, she did all of this to get power. Yeah. But there's no real way of knowing what the truth behind that is. Did Lady Wong really strangle the baby, or was it a to for Wu to gain power, we'll never know what the truth actually is.
1: I mean, Lady Wong was found guilty, so there must have been something kind of proving her, her
0: guilt, right? Honestly, I feel like at that point, you can like, I could, if I was like the favorite concert, I could stub my toe and be like, the eunuch punched me in the face.
1: <laughs> Kill this man. Kill <laughs> He's not pretty enough to live. Right? Like, <laughs> okay, I do Okay, so no one really knows yeah and that's history
0: (laughs) well so the bigger the bigger thing is is that any historian who's written about lady wu has also followed the story that was set by um other chinese historians without any question but the thing is like you learn this when you study history that you can't just take just because it's written in a history book doesn't mean that that's true Mm. like you have to take into consideration who wrote this When was it written? Why did they write it? Why did someone take the effort to sit down and write an entire document about this? What could their motivation be? Like, that stuff wasn't easy to do, especially at that time. Like, you pick and choose what you want to, like, write. History wasn't just meant to be a compilation of events. A big part of it was that it was useful for ruling. It was useful to teaching people in the future how to act properly, how to do things properly, how things should be done. So it was more like, it was kind of like a guidebook. Hmm. So it had a function.
1: Yeah. It wasn't for the purpose of
0: objectively having the
1: huh.
0: proof of the past. That's interesting. Yeah. Which is another wa- reason why it's possible that people, that the historians lied because nobody liked that there was a woman in power. So if you think about all of these external factors the historians have always portrayed empress wu as ruthless conniving scheming and bloodthirsty and she definitely could have been all those things and she also could have definitely murdered her own daughter to gain the throne but you should also like take these claims and consider them only after thinking about what their sources are a woman in the most powerful position in government threatened the traditional patriarchy and the court counselors, ministers, and historians claim that Wu upset the balance of nature by assuming power which belonged to a man. So obviously, we're jumping a little ahead in the story, but all of the historical records of her are with this one thing in mind, that she became an em- she became an emperor when she was not supposed to be in that position. That's a position for a man, mm. not a woman. And that was wrong. Hmm. That's what they thought. Now... The story of the murder of Lady Wong and Lady Xiao, so yeah, plot twist, they also both got murdered after being Oh,
1: so not only were they exiled, divorced, and barred from it. They're also position. murdered. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So
0: the story is also kind of suspicious. So historians claim that Wu ordered Lady Wong and Lady Xiao murdered in a really terrible way. Uh, she had apparently had their hands and feet cut off and oh had God. them thrown into a vat of wine to drown. The thing is, there is literally, like, a super similar story of uh, Lu Ji, of the Han Dynasty, who got rid of her rival, uh, Qi Zi, in the same way. Lu Ji was an instantly recognizable villain to the people of China, and linking Wu with her through the murders, worked to destroy Wu's reputa- reputation.
1: So, the story of Lu Ji was kind of like folklore, right?
0: Yeah, like, kind of. Like it, 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 kind it, of ha- like it happened, apparently, but it's like... To, it was so long ago that it got to the point where it's like it's, this is a crazy like folk story kind of vibe
1: oh, okay so it would almost be like saying that vladimir putin is killing people like vlad the impaler did back in the day just because it's like a super flashy way to see like
0: yeah it's like making a comparison between someone now and someone in the past it, in a way where it will discredit the person now
1: mm. so that is suspicious
0: yeah So Wu could have murdered her daughter, but her position as a female in a male role brought her many enemies who would have been happy to pass on a rumor as truth to discredit her anyways. Of course. Mm -hmm. Besides that, the fact of the matter is, however ruthless she was, there were many, many other male emperors who were just as as ruthless. And that's kind of what it meant at the time to attain power and to keep power. Yet those emperors didn't get called ruthless and villainized. Yeah,
1: so it's you know how like women in a workplace are more likely to be characterized as bossy but a man is like oh a powerful leader if he tells people what to do
0: yes that is an excellent comparison that's exactly it yeah Mm, thank you you're so smart so at this point in the story wu is the first wife so she's the empress of china um and beginning in 660 cd she was effectively the emperor of china why well, she she didn't hold any title, but she was the power behind the office and took care of all of like the imperial business.
1: Was was the emperor still in the picture?
0: So, the thing is, he actually had a some sort of like illness that hit him. Um it's probably that it was a stroke and he needed to have his reports read to him so Wu either read him whatever she felt like or and then made these decisions on her own or read him the real reports and then just still acted on her own so he was kind of like incapacitated and she just did all the important stuff so
1: he was effectively a figurehead
0: yes no exactly that okay yeah
1: so she was in charge of everything
0: like Yes, like she was even in charge of like military things, which I even find more surprising. Hmm. So she actually was the one responsible for mounting the military campaigns against Korea in 668 CE, which were so effective that they reduced Korea to the status of a vassal state.
1: That's very effective. Yeah. Yeah. No longer. What were they before? What's the step above vassal state?
0: They were just a state. A vassal state just means that they have to give tribute and money and stuff to uh, China. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow. So they're like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rip Korea. <laughs> so in 683 CE, Emperor Gaojong dies. Um, now, what follows is kind of like a weird suce- succession of... Successions A
1: rigmarole.
0: Yeah, so Wu places her first son on the throne, but later removes him when he refuses to cooperate with his mother and when his wife starts to assume too much power. She then replaces him with their second son, mm. but in 690 CE, she forces him to abdicate and proclaims herself Emperor Zetan, ruler of China, and the only woman to sit on the dragon throne and reign in her own name and by her own authority.
1: Did she face any could she do that could she just tell Not nah, you're done sorry next mm. apparently
0: no. i don't Everything know the did. politics around it i just know that's what happened okay fair to be honest i'm assuming she had a ton of power and influence
1: yeah i can well who's gonna tell her no right she'll like... just
0: kill your family <laughs> 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 probably honestly <laughs>
1: okay so uh, as the newly ap- anointed anointed as the newly anointed empress what did she do with her power no emperor Emperor, Wait, so as the newly anointed emperor Zetan, uh what what did she do with her power?
0: So she put in place like a lot of reforms throughout the years. Um, the first thing that she did actually was change the state, the name of the state from Tang or Tong to Zhou. Um, it was kind of like a custom. Joe. Yeah.
1: Joe, mama. <laughs> <laughs> A yo mama joke 3,000 years in the making. <laughs>
0: oh my god. All right, let's move over that. So, as I was saying before you so really interrupted, it was customary when the dynasty changed to change the name. Because changing the name was resetting history, essentially. Mm-hmm. So each dynasty was considered a new beginning, and when Wu changed the name from Tang to Zhou, Mama. she was <laughs> she was following this tradition, but went further to make it clear that she was the beginning of a completely new era by calling her reign uh, Tianzhou, which is granted by heaven.
1: Okay, so besides changing the name of the dynasty,
0: she did a bunch of other stuff.
1: Yeah, like yeah. What? So
0: so she actually like Empress Wu's. Reign was also marked by a shift away from Confucianism and towards Buddhism. Um, Was
1: there a reason for her moving towards Buddhism or was it just like a matter of personal preference?
0: Yeah, so the thing is, a lot of the Confucian scholars were really against her reigning because it was kind of clear in a lot of the texts, the position that women had in society. And it wasn't the same in the Buddhist texts. So she was able to use Buddhism to give legitimacy to her reign. Hmm. For example, she actually proclaimed herself an incarnation of the uh, Maitreya Buddha, calling herself Empress Sheng Sen, which means Holy Spirit. Huh. Yeah. Another example, actually, is that a little bit after she... Came into power, there was an earthquake, and uh, the Confucian scholars kind of used that as a reasoning for why she shouldn't be in power because it was violating the natural order of nature, having a woman as emperor. However, she she, was a bit she obviously didn't like that, so she actually she kind of took an alternative position. There is a mountain that ended up appearing after the earthquake. She claimed that the mountain was a good omen, and it was uh, reflecting a Buddhist mountain of paradise, Sumeru. So, she essentially said, oh, no, it's a good thing. The heavens are clearly happy that I'm in power. You're wrong.
1: They're so happy, they made a mountain for me. Yeah, pretty huh. much.
0: Yeah. Um, so, it was,
1: it was really important for her to shift towards Buddhism.
0: Yeah. So, she had, there's a marked shift towards Buddhism. Um, she also had, like, this secret police force that she'd always kind of had this secret police force for as early as 660 CE, and they were spies, and essentially, they... Gave her information about people in court and uh, gave her warning about early plots in the making, which enabled her to take care of threats to her reign before they actually became real po- problems. Hmm. But Empress will also use the, the intelligence that she gathered by these secret police to pressure some high ranking officials who are not performing well to resign and also just like banishing other ones that sucked and executing other ones that sucked. So, like, these people weren't doing their jobs and she used the information to like get rid of them, hmm. essentially.
1: Anti corruption police.
0: Literally. That's
1: cool. So, she, she was doing good things for the, the nation.
0: Yeah, yeah, she did some other stuff. All right, so the thing that I thought that was most interesting that she did was that she actually took in consideration, like, the opinions of commoners, which was really weird.
1: How so? Like she-
0: So under the old regime, a suggestion or a complaint had to go through a number of different offices before it ever reached anyone who could do something about it. However, Wu, like, eliminated, like, the bureaucracy um, and put in a direct line of communication between herself and the people. Mm. So uh, this one historian, Kelly uh, Carlton, she wrote that Wu had a petition box made, which originally contained four slots. One for men to recommend themselves as officials, one where citizens might openly and anonymously criticize court decisions, one to report the supernatural, strange omens, and secret plots, and one to file accusations and grievances. Which, doesn't that seem, like, low-key... Super super like progressive. Super
1: useful. Right. I, I find it interesting that one of her four categories of like complaint is strange Ghosts. omens <laughs> and <the> supernatural. But <laughs>
0: the, the
1: other three seem super useful. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Her secret police also were Ghostbusters. Yeah. Actually. This is
0: how actually this is the original Ghostbusters. <laughs>
1: yeah. I can't that's actually gonna be the next spin off. We had <gasps> we had women Ghostbusters and now it's gonna be ancient Chinese ancient- ghostbusters. hold on that would be so my hollywood money it's coming back baby i honestly i'd watch that (laughs) it could be a sick show
0: it would be cool in the realm of uh, public education she improved education system by hiring better teachers and reorganizing the bureaucracy and teaching methods Mm. she also reformed agriculture and taxation by rewarding officials who produce the greatest amount of crops and taxing their people the least She ordered uh, farming manuals to be written and distributed. She organized teams to survey the land and build irrigation ditches to help grow crops and redistribute the land so that everyone had an equal share to farm. Uh, So agricultural under her was like an all-time high. Um, In the military, she started having exams that military commanders had to show that they actually didn't suck, mm. um, which I thought was pretty cool. Wait, all
1: of these sound like really good changes.
0: Yeah, they are. Were good. One of the most interesting things that I learned about in my history classes about her was that she introduced a meritocratic system of entrance in examinations for the imperial bureau- bureaucracy. So what that means is that originally, if you were going to join the government, essentially, mm-hmm. it was all based off of who you know, whose son you Your were. Your family status. Yeah, right? family status. Mm-hmm. However, with, with a, a civil service examination that she put in place, now people who were at lower status could raise themselves, so poorer people could raise themselves and get into these positions in the imperial bureaucracy.
1: Which could fully change your life, right? Yeah. I'm assuming. And
0: the life of, like, your entire family and, like, generations. So she had a series of successful military campaigns, she expanded the territory, she crushed rebellions, uh, she secured the, her borders, she was able to reopen the Silk Road, which had been closed since the plague in 682 CE. She also took back lands which were invaded by the uh, Goturks under the reign of Taizong and distributed them so they were not all held by aristocrats.
1: So she, she really seems to be the people's emperor.
0: Which, okay, I'm going to point out, I actually was going to talk about this later, but, which is a big thing. One of the, the rules about being a good emperor, it doesn't matter if you do some things that are bad, as long as most of the things benefit the people. So, like, she might have, like, it's entirely possible that she did some really mess up things to get into power, and she killed a lot of people, some people who didn't deserve it. But at the end of the day, she ended up having a very peaceful and prosperous reign over like 50 million people. Yeah. The empress even promoted the biographies of famous women and ended up requiring children to mourn both parents rather than just the dad, which was the practice before then. So So before they wouldn't even mourn their mom.
1: So she was lucky pushing for women's rights.
0: Uh, you can't really talk about women's rights when you're talking about this time period, yeah, I, because I they weren't bitterly. perceived it wasn't perceived as that, mm. but uh in some ways, yeah, hmm. yeah, towards the end of her reign, she ended up becoming much more her power started slipping, she got more paranoid, and she began spending time with more with her young love lovers instead of ruling China. Uh, in particular, she spent time with two brothers known as the Zhang brothers, who were her favorite, and often spent time with her in close quarters. So, uh, so her paranoia resulted in her in her purging her administration, which essentially means she like just killed and like banished and like killed <laughs> <laughs> anyone who was suspected of being disloyal. Um, so the efficiency of her court just dropped. Yeah, as she
1: she banished everyone. Or yeah, I mean, or she them.
0: also stopped being in court, spending all of her time with the Jong brothers, she, and she even became addicted to, like, different kinds of aphrodisiacs.
1: I didn't know that was possible.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm addicted to chocolate, so are yeah, no, me addicted to an aphrodisiac. <laughs> I was
1: gonna say, you're addicted to chocolate, so I can see how it's possible. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so she's... She kicked everyone out and then just spent all of her time in her bedroom with yeah. her young men.
0: Seems like a pretty good ending, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and so w- what happened then?
0: In uh, 70- 704, the court officials could no longer tolerate her behavior and had the Jong brothers murdered. And Wu was forced to abdicate in favor of her son, who she actually had exiled, <laughs> and his wife. She was kind of like in really poor health by that time anyways, and she ended up dying a year later.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. I feel like it's, that's a very dramatic ending to somebody who had such a prominent rise to power, you know, and did so many things.
0: Yeah. Huh. I feel like it's very suiting Loki. Yeah.
1: Go out with a bang. I think eh? she
0: died at like 81. Go too. out with
1: a lot of bangs like, with two young I'm men. Not, I'm
0: not saying she was like 50 with all these young men. I think she was like 70. Oh, like really? 80. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so Empress Wu is actually buried in a tomb alongside her husband there's a huge stele that's erected outside the tomb which was customary um and later historians were actually supposed to inscribe all of her great deeds but the remarker to this day remains blank so in spite of all of her reforms and the prosperity she brought to the country Wu was remembered mainly for all the crimes that she committed against her friends and family especially like the murder of her daughter and people didn't even think she was worthy of an inscription which I find like kind of insane like that's whack Double standards, am I right? Yeah. To give some idea of how much this was a double double standard, Emperor Tai jung which was like the first guy at the beginning, the first emperor. She was his cu- yeah, concubine. Yeah, concubine.
1: I almost said cucumber. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he forced the abdication of his own father and disposed, aka killed, his two older brothers in hand-to-hand combat before seizing the throne. And yet that doesn't show up on all the documents and yeah. discredit him. And they're
1: all like, oh, yeah, enjoy your 14-year-old concubines.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, explaining why the Empress is kind of hated means, like, really, like, understanding this double standard when it comes to, like, thinking about male versus female rulers. So, Wu probably did dispose of several members of her family, and she probably ordered the deaths of a lot of innocent ministers, because, I mean, she did go crazy at the end and kill a lot of them. Um, and she was ruthless with, like, succession and rivals, and did all of the things that you know what? Every single other emperor did before her, yeah. including having a harem of young men. Yeah. <laughs> so none of these actions would have attracted criticism to to her if she had been a man. Every Chinese emperor had concubines and most had favorites, and few came to power or stayed there without the use of violence. Mm-hmm. So just like an idea. So like, don't... <laughs>
1: <laughs> let that sit let that sit let that sit
0: and that's think about what you time done. crunch no
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's a time crunch and that's a wrap certified time crunch
0: my feminism is tingling <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's the story of uh, emperor Wu Zetian who rose to power in an allegedly suspicious way <laughs> allegedly um, proceeded to do some crazy reforms And then, towards the end of her term, was consumed by paranoia, purged her administration, uh, decided to spend most of her time in her bedroom, (laughs) and that's what she ended up being remembered for, um, despite that being mm, pretty standard for male emperors at the time.
0: Exactly. Huh.
1: So, if people want to learn more about Emperor Wu uh, and her plights and her history, uh, where should folks go?
0: I mean, there are, like, a lot of sources out there. It's not like she's not a popular figure in both fiction and nonfiction. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's even, like, a Civ character. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, there are a lot of sources out there where you can find information. and, uh, And I encourage you guys to go check out some things. Do some research.
1: Yeah. Great. So, thank you for listening to this episode of Time Crunch History. If you like what you heard, the best way to support us and to help us grow is to share the show with a friend. Or, if you really didn't like the show, share it with an enemy. If you want to connect with us, there are a couple of ways to do that on Facebook and Instagram, where we're at, we're at Time Crunch Podcast, as well as on TikTok. We do things there. We do things on social media sometimes. Um, you can also send us an email, timecrunchhistory@gmail.com, uh, like Maddie from Canada did today. Thanks so much, Maddie. What a great history fact! Uh, if you send us your cool history fact, I might put it in the next episode you'll uh, you'll be at the beginning you'll be our, our our quick history fact wouldn't that be fun a nice little shout out that's all we have for you this episode the next one should be up in two weeks uh we'll see you then thank you Bye bye